just going to go over some answers. Uh, after we've learned a little bit how to use systems um, using matrices, we can uh, use more serious applications like breaking apart fractions, partial fraction decomposition, as well as systems of inequalities where you shade sides of lines rather than just the lines themselves. And once we know how to do that, uh, we've practiced a little bit with nonlinear methods and put it all together with simplex method at the end to find best case and worst case scenarios of a region of possible feasible solutions. So let's get to work. Here's a rational function. I notice that it's third degree downstairs, second degree upstairs, so it's a proper fraction. Um, and we just have to figure out the two factors probably of the denominator we can split them up into two different fractions so since that's second degree we have a first degree possibility for the numerator here and since that's first degree we'd have to have a zero degree possibility up here now that we have this we can clear the fraction by multiplying both sides by the denominator and then we basically distribute this into terms and then collect the terms in powers of x on the right to match with powers of x on the left. So when we do so, we notice that the coefficient of the x squared term on the right is a plus c, and on the left it's 1, and since that's a proper fraction, we're going to set up a system where we can actually say 1x squared plus 0x, is, so you basically have a, I'm sorry, I said that wrong, 1a plus 0b plus 1c must equal 1. Negative a plus b plus 0c must be the coefficient on the other side, which is also a 1. 0a minus b plus 2c must equal 7. Now at this point, we probably just want to rely on technology to tell us what the row reduced form of this particular matrix is to find out a must be negative 2, b must be negative 1, c must be 3. So we just pop that in place. So there's our final two fractions that's the same as our original fraction. Let's do that again. Again we have a proper ratio as first degree over second degree but we need to factor this. These are both linear factors because x is the first degree for both of them and so we only have a particular number to solve for. Again we multiply both sides by the denominator and here we can actually use clever techniques because when this is true for all x and when x is 1 we get an expression that zeroes out the b so 1 minus 5 times a must be 1 plus 11 in other words 12 must be negative 4a and so we have a must be negative 3 and we could substitute that in, but it's probably easier just to let x be 5 and get rid of that and basically have another simple equation, so b must be 4. We could use the other technique as well. It's up to you. I think this one is quicker. And when we have different linear factors, it's very easy to substitute a particular value of x that would reduce the number of unknown coefficients. So up to you. And finally, this one is a repeated uh, factor. And the way we do that is by having increasing powers uh, up till we get to the multiplicity of the original denominator. And all of these will be linear terms because we have each power taken care of from a previous uh, multiple of that negative 3, 0. So again, we just multiply both sides by the denominator. 
And again, I'm going to distribute this out and come up with a system of equations. Matching up coefficients on the right must be equal to coefficients on the left. So this expression must be 22, and a must be 5. <laughs> Very easy. Don't need to use matrices for that one. <laughs> and then uh, we know, though, that 3 times a must be 15. So if that adds up to 22, b must be 7. And we're all done with that one. Okay, we here have nonlinear systems, and uh, this looks like a circle, and this looks like uh, a parabola. So it could intersect in one place, no places, four places, two places, a lot of possibilities, depending on how they overlap, if they overlap at all. So what am I going to do? Well, it looks like, can I get rid of the x squared term by subtracting one equation from another? I think I can. So if the x squared take away x squared is 0x squared, I'm left with y squared plus 2y equals the difference between 34 and 15, namely 15. Now this looks like a nice, easily handled quadratic, which I can factor as a product of two binomials. So I'm interested in when y is negative 5 and when I, y is 3. Let's consider y being negative 5 and solve for x. Using my first equation here, I see there's two possibilities for x. Could be positive or negative 3. And when y is 3, again, I have two possibilities. x could be plus or minus 5. So let's look to see where these points are to see if we have any extraneous solutions. So if we have a center at 0, 0 with a radius of the square root of 34, that's a little bit under 6, uh, we've got a circle slightly under 6 in radius, 12, slightly under 12 in diameter, and all rounded by 0, 0.00. And of course, it's pretty easy to figure out this one here. Uh, if we just add 2y to both sides, subtract 19 and divide by 2, you can see where the vertex is pretty easy. But um, the important part is we have these points, and it looks like uh, each of those four points uh, is an intersection for this particular parabola on this particular particular circle. Alright, let's graph the system of inequalities. We want all positive x's, so let's draw the y-axis. We want the right side of that one. Uh, y must be positive, so here's the x-axis. We want the y's. That's this region here, where all the x's are positive and y's are positives. Hmm, now this looks like a line. I'm going to use intercepts. Uh, let's see, when x is 0, y must be negative 1, and when y is 0, x must be positive 1. So we just connect the dots there to get this line, and of course we want less than, uh, like the point zero, 0, so we want the left side of that line. And then finally our last one, um, when x is 0, y must be 2, and when y is 0, x must be 4, so we graph those two intercepts, and we want less than, so 0, 0 is part of that region, so we want this region right here, uh, the intersecting point might be important for later. How do you figure that out? Well, you just set this line equal to this line. When does um, this expression equal, work for the both of them? And again, you can just put that in a system of equations with 1, negative 1, 1, 1, 2, 4, or just do simple algebra. You can actually just subtract one from the other and solve for y. Anyway, we want this region here. This is where all of these points are to the right of x is greater than 0 above y being equal to 0, 1 is less than the difference, and 
uh, x plus twice y is less than 4. It must be this region here. All right, why do we ask about these things? Well, because we can actually constrain possible solutions and evaluate all those points uh, with an objective function like we have in this candy problem. And when we graph all of our feasible solutions, uh, let's see, these are, so we want to the x is to the right, y is to the plus, we, we basically represent the number of boxes of each, so we want positive numbers only. Uh, the ratio, it's a 1 to 2 ratio, so we graph that line. And uh, we have another restriction here about the number of boxes have to be at least 600 plus 3 times by it. So we graph that line. And then, of course, 1,200 boxes. So from 0 to 200 or 1,200 to 0, we have this line. And the re region of feasible solutions are bounded by this shaded region. And it's important to know that the best uh, objective is going to be found on the corners, and so will the minimum. So the max and min will be one of these four points. How do we find these points? We just set when this line equals this line, as before. And we just evaluate these points just using simple arithmetic and figure out the profit using this function. And it looks like the minimum amount is to produce nothing. Maximum amount must be 400 of nuts and chews. 800 of creams or a profit of 2,200. All right, here we've got a system of equations, but notice they're not linear. Look at that exponent of 2 up there. So we have, it looks like a circle here, centered at 6, 3 with radius 5. And over here, it looks like a parabola, because only one of these is being squared and y isn't. Let's tweak that a little bit. I notice I can complete the square a little bit to x minus 6. Uh, you know, this looks like it might be have a vertex at uh, 6, 16. So they probably do overlap. And notice, you don't necessarily have to solve for x to substitute. It looks like I can substitute x minus 6 squared directly. So let's do that. So here's my circle equation. If I replace x minus 6 squared with this equality I get from the parabola, 16 minus y. And then when I do so, I can combine terms and factor and see that y could be 0 or y could be 7. If y is 0, I can then go back to my parabola situation and substitute 0 for the y in this equation. Solving for x when y is 0, I get two possibilities, 6 plus or minus 4, in other words, 2 or 10. There's another solution when y is 7. And again, I put 7 in this situation, and I solve for x, and I get two possibilities, 9 or 3. So what we'll have is a situation where you got a parabola and a circle intersecting in four places. When y is 0, the x's are 2 and 10. When y is 7, must be 3 and 9. Alrighty, here's a partial fraction decomposition. There's three factors. One of them is second degree, so we need a little extra uh, linear possibility for the numerator. These have to be numbers if it's first degree on the bottom, because this is a proper fraction. Third degree over fourth degree. 
This is not really difficult, it just has lots of terms to get lost, so it's more difficult to execute properly, though the theory is going to be the same. We're just going to multiply both sides by the denominator. We're going to expand, two levels of expansion there, because we have a couple of binomials, several binomials. And then we just group them by powers of x. And this helps us to see equations so that the coefficient of x to the third here, a plus b plus c, has to equal the coefficient of x to the third there. That has to add up to 6. So we get four equations for x to the third, x squared, x and 1, lining them up. 2, 1, 3, 1 must equal 21. So that's how we get this line. 3, 3, 2, 3 have to equal the coefficient of x, so that's why I think that's equal to 8. And 6, 3, 0, and 2 have to equal the constant 1. Again, our resource of technology makes us quick work. And uh, when we type it in accurately, we can get uh, our identity matrix on the left when we have row reduced form. So a must be 2, my b must be negative 3, and the coefficient here, c, must be 7, and d must be negative 1. And that's our final result, putting our information back in. Alrighty, here we have an investor with 300000 to invest, a certain amount of payoff that will help us with an objective function. And we have certain constraints. We, of course, can't invest more than we have, so the total must be less than 300000 and they want one-third of each, so it has to be at least 100,000 of both x and 100,000 of y. So let's graph our constraints. Positive numbers, total has to be 300,000. Uh, the x investment's got to be greater than 100,000, so we went to the right of that line. Y investment has to be at least 100,000, so that's above that line. That gives us a nice little triangular region right in here. And now we just have to evaluate these three corners of the triangle. The minimum and maximum will be in on those corners. And it looks like the worst we could do is 12,000. The best we can do is 19,000. So we want 100,000 of investment A and 200,000 of investment B. Good luck to you.